the second coming of Christ. In our preceding study of Armageddon, we learn that Jesus suddenly reveals himself in the midst of this battle by his appearance on a spectacular cloud of glory that brings to an abrupt halt the mighty battle of Armageddon. In this presentation, we will discover how this glorious appearance of Christ in his second coming will affect both the righteous and the wicked before the redeemed begin their long-awaited journey to heaven. But first, let us pray together for divine guidance. O loving Father, which art in heaven, as thy children, we long to catch a fresh glimpse of this blessed hope as revealed in inspiration which has sustained the people of God in every crisis through past ages. Open our spiritual understanding by thy Holy Spirit so that we may discern such a vision of what is to take place when Christ appears that we shall evermore live to be ready that we may look into the face of thy dear Son in that great day and be unafraid for we ask this petition in the blessed name of Jesus Amen now please turn with me to the Holy Scripture and let us read from the Bible of the two angels as they described the second coming of Christ when his disciples watched Jesus ascend to his Father from the Mount of Olives in Palestine some 2,000 years ago. Let us read from Acts, the first chapter, verses 9, 10, and 11. While they believed, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now did you notice the words, and a cloud received Jesus? Just so, when Christ comes the second time, he will come to earth in a cloud, for he is to return in like manner as he left the earth. Reading from Great Controversy, page 640, quote, there appears in the east a small black cloud about the size of a man's hand. It is the cloud which surrounds the Savior and which seems in the distance to be shrouded in darkness. The people of God know this to be the sign of the Son of Man. In solemn silence, they gaze upon it as it draws near the earth becoming lighter and more glorious until it is a great white cloud, its base a glory like a consuming fire, and above it the rainbow of the covenant." Unquote. In one of Ellen White's earliest visions, she describes in further detail, listen, quote, the bottom appeared like fire, a rainbow was over the cloud, while around it were 10,000 angels singing a most glorious song, and upon it sat the Son of Man. Early Writings, page 15. How assuring the promise given by the angels 
this same Jesus. Such words thrill my soul, for he is the same lovely Christ coming again, who was veiled in humanity as he departed from this world. Listen to this quotation in the Desire of Ages, page 832. Christ had ascended to heaven in the form of humanity. The disciples had beheld the cloud receive him. The same Jesus who had walked and talked and prayed with them, who had broken bread with them, who had been with them in their boats on the lake, and who had that very day toiled with them up the ascent of Olivet. The same Jesus had now gone to share his Father's throne, and the angels had assured them that the very one whom they had seen go up into heaven would come again even as he had ascended." Unquote. There's also an additional factor to recognize. The Savior will be a glorified Christ when he returns. In the book, Heavenly Places, page 358, I read, The glory of Christ's humanity did not appear when he was upon the earth, for he was regarded as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. But he was pursuing the path, in quote which, the plan of God had devised, unquote. And now hear this. That same humanity now appears as he descends from heaven. But notice the difference. Quote, he is robed in glory, triumphant, exalted. Then in early writings, page 16, the servant of the Lord describes in explicit language these marvelous details. His hair was white and curly and lay on his shoulders, and upon his head were many crowns. His feet had the appearance of fire. In his right hand was a sharp sickle, in his left, a silver trumpet." Unquote. Now the glory revealed in his second coming will surpass anything that has ever been beheld by mortal eyes. I'm reading, quote, Christ will come in his own glory, in the glory of his Father, and in the glory of the holy angels, ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands of angels, the beautiful, triumphant sons of God, possessing, surpassing loveliness and glory, will exhort him on his way. In the place of a crown of thorns, he will wear a crown of glory a crown within a crown. In the place of that old purple robe, he will be clothed in a garment of whitest white, so as no fuller on earth can white. Mark 9, 3. And on his vesture and on his thigh a name will be written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our High Calling, page 367. What a majestic description. Can't you see it? Countless angels will ascend and accompany Christ as his glory fills the entire sky. The Great Controversy, page 641, tells us, Jesus rides forth as a mighty conqueror, not now a man of sorrows to drink the bitter cup of shame and woe. He comes, victor in heaven and earth, to judge the living and the dead. 
faithful and true in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. And the armies which were in heaven, Revelation 19, 11 and 14, follow him. With anthems of celestial melody, the holy angels, a vast unnumbered throng, attend him on his way. The firmament seems filled with radiant forms, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Notice these words. No human pen can portray the scene. No mortal mind is adequate to conceive its splendor. His glory covers the heavens. Now this is the moment spoken of by John the Revelator in Revelation 1-7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. I love the way Ellen White describes this event. Quote, as the living cloud, isn't that beautiful? As the living cloud clums still nearer, every eye beholds the Prince of Life. No crown of thorns now mars that sacred head, but a diadem of glory rests on his holy brow. His countenance outshines the dazzling brightness of the noonday sun. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Great Controversy, page 641. Now at this point in our study, let us now discover how this display of overmastering power will affect both the wicked and the righteous. At first, the saints will be apprehensive while the wicked become terrified. Visualize the setting. The sudden appearance of Christ in the clouds is also announced by a mighty earthquake which shakes the earth to its very foundations. This is the second time such an earthquake takes place, for the first happens at the voice of God announcing the second coming. The second worldwide earthquake takes place the moment Christ appears in the clouds as King of Kings. Compare Great Controversy, page 637, with 642. Not only are the inhabitants of this earth shaken with these mighty earthquakes, but as they look up, they behold the glorified Christ, the King of Kings. In the Great Controversy, page 641, we read, Before his presence, all faces, did you notice? All faces are turned into paleness. Of the wicked we read, quote, Upon the rejectors of God's mercy falls the terror of eternal despair. The heart melteth, the knees smite together, and the faces of them all gather blackness. Jeremiah 36 and Nahum 2.10. But of the saints, we are told, the righteous cry with trembling. Who shall be able to stand? The angel's song is hushed, and there is a period of awful silence. Then the voice of Jesus is heard saying, My grace is sufficient for you. The faces of the righteous are lighted up, and joy fills every heart. And the angels strike a note higher and sing again as they draw still nearer to the earth. What a picture. Quote, as the king of kings descends upon the cloud, wrapped in flaming fire, 
The heavens are rolled together as a scroll. The earth trembles before him. And every mountain and island is moved out of its place. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Great Controversy 641. Now, the difference between the saints and the sinners becomes a reality. Suddenly, while the righteous are filled with joy, the wicked are now trying to hide and flee to the mountains, crying for the rocks to fall on them. You find this in Revelation 6:15 and 7 to 17. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondsman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Unquote. What a tragedy for today. The disobedient seem unawares that Satan is preparing them for this final moment. Millions in these closing hours are choosing the pagan worship of Mother Earth rather than to worship the Creator as their living God. The following quotation reveals how such people will try in vain to escape, calling on their nature God to hide them from their Creator. Quote, When the earth is reeling to and fro like a drunkard, <clears throat> when the heavens are shaking, and the great day of the Lord has come, the unsaved utter wild imprecations to dumb nature, their God. And what do they say? Mountains and rocks fall on us. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Revelation 6.16, unquote. That's taken from the book that I may know him, page 356. I found the following statement most intriguing as it tells how the wicked will flee to the same caves in the mountains which have recently been vacated by the faithful. Quote, From the dens and the caves of the earth that have been the secret hiding place of God's people, they are called forth as his witnesses, true and faithful. Then notice what happens. The people who have braved out their rebellion will fulfill the description given in Revelation 6, 15 to 17. In these very caves and dens, they find the very statement of truth in the letters and in the publications as witness against them. As they go into these places, they will find papers and magazines and letters that the faithful have left as they've come out to see God. Then notice, the shepherds who led the sheep in false paths will hear the charge made against them. It was you who made light of the truth. It was you who told us that God's law was abrogated, that it was a yoke of bondage. It was you who voiced the false doctrines when I was convicted that these Seventh-day Adventists had the truth. The blood of our souls is upon your priestly garments. Now will you pay the ransom for my soul? What shall we do who listen to your garbling 
of the scriptures and you're turning into a lie the truth which if obeyed would have saved us when Christ comes to take vengeance on those who have educated and trained the people to trample on the Holy Sabbath to tear down his memorial and tread down with their feet the feet of his pastures lamentations will be in vain why because rocks and mountains cannot screen them from the indignation of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb that's from Maranatha page 290 at last the wicked beholding the glorified Christ in the clouds of heaven have awakened to their fate notice with me the change quote the derisive jests have ceased lying lips are hushed into silence the clash of arms the tumult of battle with confused noise and garments rolled in blood Isaiah 9 5 is stilled not now is heard but the voice of prayer and the sound of weeping and lamentation the cry bursts forth from lips so lately scoffing the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand the wicked pray to be buried beneath the rocks of the mountains rather than meet the face of him whom they have despised and rejected great controversy page 642 and so such is the end of the wicked who are alive when Christ comes for they are destroyed by the brightness of his coming but we must not overlook another most amazing prophecy for there are some among the wicked dead who must also live again to see the living glorified Christ let us read once more Revelation 1 7 behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him did you notice those words and they also which pierced him these words refer to those wicked dead who had a part in the rejection and the crucifixion of our Lord these individuals though dead for about 2,000 years are to be raised in a special resurrection to behold the return of Jesus in his glory the servant of the Lord describes these in great controversy page 643 notice with me what happens to the individuals who have just been raised as they recall the words of Christ with thrilling power come to their minds the sufferers words speaking of Christ when <clears throat> adjured by the high priest Christ solemnly declared hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven Matthew 26 64 and now they behold him in his glory those who deride in his claim to be the son of God are speechless now there is the haughty Herod who jeered at his royal title and bade the mocking soldiers crowned him king there are the very men who within pious hands placed upon his form the purple robe upon his sacred brow the thorny crown and in his unresisting hand the mimic scepter and bowed before him in blasphemous mockery the men who smote and spit upon the Prince of Life now turn from his 
piercing gaze and seek to flee from the overpowering glory of his presence. Those who drove the nails through his hand and feet, the soldiers who pierced his side, behold these marks with terror and remorse. And now there rises a cry of mortal agony, louder than the shout, Crucify him, crucify him, which rang through the streets of Jerusalem, swells the awful, despairing wail, He is the Son of God. He is the true Messiah. Great Controversy, page 643. These resurrected murderers who mistreated the Lord will join with the living wicked in calling for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of Jesus because, and I'm quoting, <coughs> they remember how his love was slighted and his compassion abused. They think of how Barabbas, a murderer and a robber, was chosen in his stead. How Jesus was crowned with thorns and scourged and crucified. How in the hour of his agony on the cross, the priests and rulers taunted him, saying, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. All the insult and despite offered to Christ, all the suffering caused to his disciples, will be as fresh in their recollection as when the satanic deeds were done. The voice which they heard so often in entreaty and persuasion will again sound in their ears. Every tone of gracious salutation will vibrate as distinctly in their ears as when the Savior spoke in the synagogue and on the street. Then those who pierced him will call on the rocks and mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That's taken from the Last Day Events, page 275. So much for the wicked. Now let us consider how the appearance of Christ in all his glory will affect the righteous living and the righteous who have died through past ages. In early writings, page 16, then Jesus' silver trumpet sounded as he descended on the cloud, wrapped in flames of fire, continuing from Great Controversy 644, amid the reeling of the earth, the flash of lightning, the roar of thunder, the voice of the Son of God calls forth the sleeping saints. He looks upon the graves of the righteous, and then, raising his hand to heaven, he cries, Awake! 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 Ye that... And arise! Throughout the length and the breadth of the earth, the dead shall hear that voice. And they that hear shall live, and the whole earth shall ring with the tread of an exceeding great army of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. From the prison house of death they come, clothed with immortal glory, crying, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 1 Corinthians 15.55 and the living righteous and the risen saints unite their voice in a long, glad shout of victory." Unquote. Let us also remember what it is that takes place in the truly born-again individual 
that makes this possible, this resurrection of Christ. Consider these words carefully with me, for they contain the secret to eternal life. Notice, quote, By the power of the Savior that dwelt in them while living, and because they were partakers of the divine nature, they were brought forth from the dead. That's from Sons and Daughters of God, page 359. What a divine truth to contemplate. Should some of us be laid to rest before he comes, let us so live that we are daily partakers of this divine nature, which is so freely offered to all of God's obedient children. For we read, quote, The victory of the sleeping saints will be glorious on that morning of the resurrection. The life-giver will crown with immortality all who come forth from the grave. Sons and Daughters of God, page 359. What a promise. Dying in Jesus is a very precious experience. I quote, When our friends go into the grave, they are beautiful to us. It may be our father or our mother that we laid away. When they come forth, those wrinkles are all gone but the figure is there, and we know them. We want to be prepared to meet these dear friends as they come forth in the resurrection morning. Shall we lay hold upon the hope set before us in the gospel that we shall be like him? For we shall see him as he is. That is from In Heavenly Places, page 353. Such assurance is given to all who have been faithful. Quote, the precious dead from Adam down to the last saint who dies will hear the voice of the Son of God and will come forth from the grave to immortal life. Desire of Ages, page 606. Oh, how my heart throbs as I read these precious promises. Quote, Yet a little while, and he is to come, will come, and will not tarry. Don't you just feel like saying, Praise God. His eyes, as a flame of fire, penetrate into the flast closed dungeons and hunt out the hidden ones for their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, somehow that we would remember how God loves us and cares for us. Listen to this. The eyes of the Savior are above us, around us, noting every difficulty, discerning every danger, and there is no place where his eyes cannot penetrate. No sorrows and suffering of his people where the sympathy of Christ does not reach. Praise God. The children of God will be terror-stricken at the first sight of the majesty of Jesus Christ. They feel that they cannot live in his holy presence. But the word comes to him as to John, fear not. Jesus laid his right hand upon John. He raised him up from his prostrate position. So will he do unto his loyal, trusting ones. That's from the book that I may know him, page 360. Again, I must reemphasize the important truth for it is only because we become joined with Christ here on earth that when we die, we come forth from the grave when he calls. How clearly this is stated in Maranatha, page 302. Christ became one flesh with us, 
in order that we might become one spirit with him. It is by virtue of this union that we are to come forth from the grave, not merely as a manifestation of the power of Christ, but because through faith his life has become ours. Those who see Christ in his true character and receive him into the heart have everlasting life. It is through the Spirit that Christ dwells in us and the Spirit of God received into the heart by faith is the beginning of life eternal. Isn't that amazing? Here is the gospel in its fullness. Have you ever wondered what the righteous dead will be like when they are resurrected as to their appearance and size? Just listen to this, quote, All come forth from their graves the same in stature as when they entered the tomb. Adam, who stands among the risen throng, is of lofty height and majestic form in stature, but little below the Son of God. He presents a marked contrast to the people of later generations. In this one respect is shown the great degeneracy of the race. But all arise with the freshness and the vigor of eternal youth. All blemishes and deformities are left in the grave, restored to the tree of life in the long-lost Eden. The redeemed will grow up, Malachi 4.2, to the full stature of the race in its primeval glory. Great Controversy, page 644. Wonder of wonders! You know, I discovered another gift that will be bestowed upon the saints of God when he comes. What a Savior! Listen. When Christ comes, he shall then, we shall then be gifted with a higher nature. The bodies of all who purify their souls by obeying the truth shall be glorified. They will have fully received and believed in Jesus Christ. Selected Messages, number 3, page 427. It is no wonder that the Apostle explained in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Let these words of inspiration be riveted in our minds. 1 Corinthians 15:51-53. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Ellen White emphasizes these words in the Great Controversy page 645. Quote, "The living righteous are changed in a moment." In the twinkling of an eye, at the voice of God, they were glorified. Now they are made immortal, and with the risen saints are caught up to meet their Lord in the air. She continues in the book Sons and Daughters of God on page 359, quote, There are columns of angels on either side. Then the angelic choir strike the note of victory, and the angels in two columns take up the song, and the redeemed host join as though they had been singing the song on the earth, and they have been. Oh, what music! There is not an inharmonious note. Every voice proclaims, Worthy! is the Lamb that was slain." Unquote. 
You know, I get so thrilled when I read these things of the coming wonders that I can hardly wait. My heart cries, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Will you picture with me the reunion of God's saints? Listen, quote, Angels gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. Little children are born by holy angels to their mother's arms. Friends, long separated by death, are united never more to part. Great Controversy 645. Oh, how my heart beats with joy when I read the following. Listen carefully. As the little infants come forth immortal from their dusty beds, they immediately wing their way to their mother's arms. Selected Messages 2, page 260. If you're interested for more on children in heaven, I suggest you read Selected Messages 260 and Early Writings, page 19. These precious thoughts awaken our praise to the Lamb of God. I continue to read from other sources, quote, The 144,000 shouted, Hallelujah! as they recognized their friends who had been torn from them by death. And in the same moment, we were changed and caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. That's early writings, page 15. Quote, We shall know our friends, even as the disciples knew Jesus. They may have been deformed, diseased, or disfigured in this mortal life, and they rise in perfect health and symmetry. Yet in the glorified body their identity will be perfectly preserved. Then shall we know even as also we are known, 1 Corinthians 13:12. In the face radiant with the light shining from the face of Jesus, we shall recognize the alignments of those we love. Desire of Ages, 804. Again, quote, He will come to honor those who have loved him and kept his commandments and to take them to himself. He has not forgotten them nor his promise. There will be a relinking of the family chain. The Desire of Ages, page 632. And what about those we have led to Jesus? I'm quoting. The redeemed will meet and recognize those whose attention they have directed to the uplifted Savior. What blessed converse they have with these souls. Listen. I was a sinner, it will be said, without God and without hope in the world. And you came to me and drew my attention to the precious Savior as my only hope. Others will say, I was a heathen in heathen lands. You left your friends and comfortable home and came to teach me how to find Jesus and believe in him as the only true God. I demolished my idols, and I worshipped God. And now I see him face to face. I am saved, eternally saved, ever to behold him whom I love. Others will express their gratitude to those who fed the hungry and clothed the naked. When despair bound my soul in unbelief, the Lord sent you to me, they say, to speak words of hope and comfort. You brought me food for my physical necessities, and you opened to me the word of God, awakening me to my spiritual needs. You treated me as a brother. You sympathized with me in my sorrows 
and restored my bruised and wounded soul, that I could grasp the hand of Christ that was reached out to save me. In my ignorance, you taught me patiently that I had a Father in heaven who cared for me. You read to me the precious promises of God's word. You inspired in me the faith that he would save me. My heart was softened, subdued, broken, as I contemplated the sacrifice which Christ had made for me. I am here, saved, eternally saved, ever to live in his presence and to praise him who gave his life for me. What rejoicing there will be as these redeemed ones meet and greet those who have had a burden in their behalf and those who have lived not to please themselves but to be a blessing to the unfortunate who have so few blessings, how their hearts will thrill with satisfaction. That's taken from my life today, page 353. As I recall these wonderful statements, beloved, we must be there. We must be there. Amen? Will you listen to this mighty appeal of the Holy Spirit found in early writings, page 110? Only those who are holy, those who have followed fully the meek pattern, will with rapturous joy explain as they behold him, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. And they will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That trump which wakes the sleeping saints and calls them forth from their dusty beds, clothed with glorious immortality, shouting victory, victory over death and the grave. The changed saints are then caught up together with the angels to meet the Lord in the air never more to be separated from the object of their love. With such a prospect as this before us, such a glorious hope, such a redemption that Christ has purchased for us by his own blood, shall we hold our peace? Shall we not praise God even with a loud voice? as did the disciples when Jesus rode into Jerusalem? Is not our prospect far more glorious than was theirs? Who dare then forbid us glorifying God, even with a loud voice, when we have such a hope, big with immortality, and full of glory? We have tasted of the powers of the world to come, and long for more. My whole heart cries out after the living God, and I shall not be satisfied until I am filled with all his fullness. Early Writings, page 110. Let us pray. O precious Jesus, after such a thrilling revelation of the coming wonders found in thy holy word and the spirit of prophecy. We praise thy holy name to know of such truth that if faithful, though we may sleep for a while, we shall live again to be reunited with loved ones and together reign with thee. Not only do we praise thee with our lips, but by thy grace May every act of our daily lives praise thee in obedience to thy truth. Help us today to be partakers of thy divine nature. Amen. Oh, 
Sings my 